I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Editing Podcast. So we have another guest this week. Many of you will know her already, perhaps as the author of the Subversive Copy Editor. Come on, you know who I'm talking about. Of course you do. It's Carol Saller. Welcome to the Editing Podcast, Carol. We have wanted to have you as a guest for so long, so we are absolutely thrilled that it's finally happened. So much. Well, you couldn't be happier than me. I have listened to your podcast with joy from the beginning, and now I'm tickled to be part of it. Oh, that's lovely. Fantastic. (laughs) So, Carol, we're going to be talking about blogging because it's something all three of us are committed to, and you in particular have a ton of experience. In the unlikely event that people aren't aware of your blogging background, can you give us a quick run through of where you've plied your craft? Sure. Um, Well, I started in 2010 with a weekly blog based on the Subversive Copy Editor book where I wrote advice to copy editors. Um, Then I wrote weekly for the Chronicle of Higher Education. They had a blog called Lingua Franca, and that was advice for academic writers and students. Then for a few years, I blogged at the website of the Chicago Manual of Style for the section called Editor's Corner. And since 2019, when I retired from the University of Chicago Press, I've written monthly for the Fiction Plus section of the Chicago Manual blog, which is specifically, um, Fiction Plus is specifically style and formatting advice for creative writers and editors of creative writing. I love that one. Yeah. That's obviously with my specialism, that's that's a bit of a favorite. I think that's, um, um, yeah. Yeah, what a resume, can I just say as well? I mean, (laughs) none of your little blogging in a small corner of your own website. I mean, these are heavy hitters, aren't they? Yeah, Yeah, I've been lucky that way, yeah. I think you make your own luck, though, don't you, Carol? (laughs) So, Carol, can we start by um, perhaps talking a little bit about blog goals? Because Louise and I both think that's really important. And Mm. we know what goals we had when we started writing but, but what were yours and what were you hoping to achieve with your blog? Well, for me, initially, it was just to keep up the sales of my book. And I think that's the goal of a lot of authors who blog. Mm. But, um, but for you and for uh, freelance editors, um, they are more likely to blog to attract clients by having a professional looking website where they can display their credentials and lay out the services they offer. And then um, if they add a blog to that, it can help them show off their writing and thinking skills and give their contact information. And, you know, I think Louise said um, recently on, um, when I heard you on the word chat, you talked about blogging at your website because people kept asking you the same questions and it was an efficient way to put the answers out Mm. there. Yeah. Um, But I think a lot of people who blog um, also hope to attract other opportunities. And I know that became the case for me. I didn't even really foresee it at the beginning, but I, um, I loved getting invitations to speak or travel or make a little money by consulting. And um, of course, some people might not have any specific reason for blogging. They just have a lot to say. They feel creative and they like putting it out there. Maybe they're hoping for 
fame and fortune. <laughs> it is such a great way, though. I mean, just going back to your point there about um, when you said about it, like helping you have a professional website and and laying out the skills you offer, that, that idea of that blogging is that way of showing rather than telling your expertise. It's such a powerful mm. um, mechanism for that because it's, it's, you know, lots of people have pages on their site saying I'm, I've got, I've done this training. I've done that training. Uh, I've, I've attended these conferences. And, but when you start to write about the things that you edit, for example, I mean, I know you don't have to blog about that, but if you're, if you want to show people that you're a competent editor, what better way to, than to write about the craft of it in some way? It's just such a powerful tool. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, we've all seen websites where people kind of fail to do that. And, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, if you're, if you're not confident that you actually can make things pretty perfect on your website as far as possible, you know, you should hire an editor, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, Carol, one of the things that we hear people really struggling with is coming up with ideas to write about on their blog so that they can make it sustainable, make it a place that readers want to bookmark and return to. And you absolutely managed to do this. So have you got any tips for listeners on how to come up with those ideas? Oh, I do. I have I have two tips I like to give on generating ideas that that aren't I mean, the ones you always read that are, you know, you should go for a walk or take a shower or work out, um, no headphones, unless you, you know, have to have music to think. And those really do work for me. I almost always get an idea when I do those things. Um, but, but I think my best posts come from, I'm not proud of this, paying attention <laughs> to things that irritate me. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. superb. Yeah. And my best source for that is browsing on social media, which, <laughs> as we all know, is highly irritating most of the time anyway. Which platform yeah. irritates you the most, Carol? Facebook. Facebook. Facebook oh, really? does, yes. Right, but I can right. also get annoyed on Twitter. Um, <laughs> And um, <laughs> and then before I retired from editing, I also could almost find, always find something irritating in, during a week of um, editing and corresponding with writers. You know, at some point I would find myself thinking, why don't they understand that? Or why yeah. do I have to explain this? So mind, I'm not suggesting that you then write an angry post. Yeah. And I especially don't mean that you sh- should launch into some kind of snooty lecture or grammar shaming Mm. but if you can identify something that just really gets up your nose then there are several advantages to writing about it yeah first the odds are good that other people are going to feel that way and so the topic is going to make good clickbait yeah and also, once you start looking into it, you can often learn something that's really yeah. helpful yeah. and even therapeutic. And you might even change your mind about something. Yes. Yeah. No. That's good. good. And finally, if something irritates you, it heightens emotion. And for a lot of writers, that inspires creativity and especially humor, which of course is a really great thing to have in a blog post. And um, you probably both know John McIntyre's blog. I mean, he's a good example because he's a master of that kind of blogging from irritation and he's hilarious. But he's still always solution focused, which um, which is is the key to what you were saying there, because it's about the, you know, if if you're going to like, 
it's it's the criticism isn't enough is it it's it's got to be that gets up my nose so therefore yes I need to show people how to not do this thing that's getting up my nose and the, the answer is in the solution yeah I think, yes. I think also that point you make about it heightening um, emotion that inspires humor, it also inspires passion. And, and I think that passion, if you if you channel it correctly, comes across. And again, it's that showing that you care about something yeah. enough mm. to write about it that that sort of um, helps to build that trust with your readers here that you know oh this is somebody who who cares about you know whether it's words or punctuation or you know narrative arc or whatever and um, they care enough to to write about it and, and explain it and maybe my writing's going to be safer in their hands than in somebody else's so yeah I, mm-hmm. I think it's a really powerful sort of trust building exercise when you when you allow yourself to show that emotion in a, in a, yeah. in a sort of controlled way yeah and your voice yeah. your when you've got your that you, voice, a little yeah. bit of voice coming across you know so and that's the thing like with John John McIntyre's a good example um mm. James Harbeck's another one you know this, oh this yes, quite, yeah but and and you Carol and and Denise you know when it, whoever's the, the my favorite blogs that I can usually I'm not saying I could recognize them if, if you know I was given blind copy but um mm. but I certainly feel in a in a in a space where I kind of feel like I'm oh there's a there's an old blog friend you know I, <laughs> yeah. it, do you know what I mean like I, I I feel like I'm in a space that's familiar because mm. I can hear that voice so what's your second tip oh right um okay so another way to brainstorm ideas is to stop thinking like a seller of something. And remember that blogging is content marketing, which is a soft sell, more like Mm. giving away free stuff than selling something. Mm. So you're giving entertainment or information or emotional support. And occasionally you might also literally give away a service, a sample of editing or a book or something in order to attract more readers. so if you think in terms of what people need that you can give them it will help you define your audience and defining your audience is an essential step in creating that con that sort of coherent body of posts that will keep readers coming back Mm. um and uh, something else i just thought of uh for uh an idea when you're stuck for an idea is that Um, If you really need a break and can't think of anything, you can consider interviewing someone or inviting someone to guest uh, guest post. I can recommend Carol Sala. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And uh, and then finally, I I have to add that if you truly can't think of anything to blog about ever, then it's possible that blogging just isn't going to be your thing and you can try something else yeah I think I think that's a really really good point for people to remember because there is such a lot of talk um rightly in editing communities and author communities about the power of blogging that I think a lot of people feel panicked if they're not writing a blog regularly or they struggle because they're thinking you know I don't know what to write about but it may well be that that is not the medium for them and they should think about other ways of helping people to, you know, to raise their visibility. It doesn't have to be writing. Um, yeah. I think there's nothing worse than somebody who feels compelled to do something 
and does it out of duty rather than because they feel strongly about it yeah. oh no yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like kind of on what you were saying when we were on the that word chat, Denise, about mm-hmm. if you don't enjoy something, why you're you're never gonna you're, you're never gonna be um you're never gonna create content. No. It's very difficult to fake to fake enjoyment. It can I mean some people can do it, you know, yeah. but but I, I I think I would really struggle to 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 put out a blog post or or do this talk now with you two mm-hmm. if if I if I was feeling miserable I, yeah. I I just and didn't want to do it I think it would I don't think I'd bother engaging and I think the audience would hear that or re- yeah. read it or or see it or whatever so I think you have to enjoy it you really have to enjoy it even if you know it means that you have to work quite hard at it mm. you have to ultimately take pleasure and some pride in it um, otherwise it's a it's a duty and it becomes a chore and that comes across I think yeah and and you two have given I know some of your other podcasts um, have emphasized that there are a lot of other ways to promote and so blogging doesn't have to be the one and and you're all for choosing the ones that um, that you're good at and that you don't mind doing definitely definitely yeah yeah Yeah. it's horses for courses isn't it as they say (laughs) yeah so, Carol, we can't talk about blogging um, without talking about blog promotion. And this, again, this is something else that a lot of editors do get nervous about because it means putting yourself out there, doesn't it? And and a lot of editors worry that they're going to be seen as a bit arrogant when they promote themselves. So, so what's your approach to the sort of promotional side of things? Well, I have to admit that I've had help with promotion from the very beginning that isn't available to everyone because I was on the team of the Chicago Manual and my book was published by the University of Chicago Press. So the subversive copy editor has been cross-promoted with the manual to a much larger fan base than I would have had on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And every time I blog for them now, they promote the post on Twitter and Facebook and through their email list. And at the Mm -hmm. end of each post, there's a thumbnail of my book and a link for buying it. So if I were starting a new blog and I didn't have that powerhouse behind me, I'd have to work a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Um, And the main thing starting out goes without saying, which is to create (laughs) good content that's really useful and enjoyable to read and that has a defined audience. Then to promote it, I think there are basically two options. And the first one isn't very attractive, which is to pay for advertising. And I don't know a lot about that, but you would presumably start by checking out ad rates in whatever your readers are reading, whether it's literary magazines or um, similar blogs and websites, industry newsletters and so forth. And that might be a good thing to do at the beginning. But more usually, and something that doesn't cost anything, is to approach your potential audience through targeted social media. Um, So let's say your target readers are people who need a copy editor. The idea isn't to go on Twitter and and just start tweeting, pick me, pick me. (laughs) Um, The idea is to start building relationships. For instance, by um, joining a private, those private Facebook groups that are relevant to your content. Like, you know, you don't, you're not t- 
um, targeting your friends, you're targeting a group like Ask a Book Editor or Writers Helping Writers, or there, there are um, blogs for, or sorry, blogs, there are Facebook groups for almost every kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. So you spend a few minutes each week browsing around in those groups and helping people and encouraging people and you you use your knowledge to answer grammar questions or you give them a link to a good source and there's there's nothing arrogant about that at all. There's no reason anyone should be shy to put themselves out in that way. You're going to look smart and generous and capable and people will follow you or you follow someone and they follow you back. And then occasionally and only occasionally you post a link to what you're selling i almost never post a link to my book on social media mm. in, in in a lot of groups that kind of uh, direct self-promotion is frowned on or forbidden even anyway that's yeah. true yeah so um but when i can i post a link to the shop talk blog um, and the blog includes a link to the book. So it's the same idea of giving rather than selling with the goal of having, um, building a community of supportive people, so-called friends who share your interests, who ultimately will help you sell your book or services or even buy them themselves. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we could go on for hours about this, but um, John Asperian, you know him, he's been on your yeah podcast, a technical mm -hmm. copywriter, has written a lot um, on how he built his LinkedIn network. That's where he focuses his energy, LinkedIn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, his posts are a good source of advice on that. And there's also a um, free YouTube tutorial that he did called Getting the Most from LinkedIn. And maybe we can post a link to that. In the yeah, he's, he's an absolute master of, of LinkedIn and, and how, I mean, he's almost, he's almost made LinkedIn his own blog <laughs> right. in, you know in, in a sense that his content is on LinkedIn land and 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 so but yeah anyway we can, we can... sorry but Don't I think that's a really interesting example of what you've just done there Carol is um an example of when you create consistently good content and you're visible your fans talk about you to other people so oh. you've just you've just mentioned John there you know and yeah and I see this all the time on Facebook groups for editors and writers and on Twitter I see it all the time with Louise you know when, when people are asking about you know how do I get work quickly or where do I learn about this or how do I learn how to market Louise doesn't need to go and post rarely post about anything like that because other people do it for her because yeah. because yeah. because her her content has become so well known that other people are sharing it on her behalf what I would say is though I do post post regularly oh you do yeah. on my own timeline yeah but I would never post something in a group unless they had some sort of like carnival or you know where that was actively encouraged in a thread um yeah, yeah. so I mean uh, yeah I I think in in, in groups um it, mm -hmm. the whole idea is being helpful isn't it so that yeah. and then and then once once that word of mouth kicks in I mean that's the slow burn of it though isn't it absolutely you, you have to do the work mm -hmm. and 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 build that reputation for exactly what you were saying Carol about bringing your expertise to the table in some way or other and then that kind of message getting out people people referencing you when they come yeah. on podcasts that you know yeah. That, well, that. 
and something you just said, you used the phrase word of mouth. I've heard more than one freelance editors say that that's where they get most of their clients from other satisfied clients. So it seems to me that if that once you get your um, once you get your community started and you start getting work and building on that work, you might be able to give up self promotion largely you know, ultimately, it doesn't have mm. to go on forever. I think I think though that you you definitely have to do less the, the longer you go on, because mm. you, you and also you've got a bank of content. We I, we'll probably talk about this later, but we've got a bank of content that you can use again and again and again. You don't have to mm. write something and then bury it in the cupboard. Yeah, and so evergreen content. I think the word of, yeah, I think the word of mouth thing always makes me a little bit nervous when experienced editorial folk talk about it because sometimes it can give the impression to the new entrant to the field that it's a marketing strategy and mm. it's actually useless to the new entrant because you've yes. got to do all that work you've got to build that foundation that community that that knowledge bank that that trust that denise mentioned earlier right word of mouth doesn't work for the new starter it no. works for people when you're later on a bit more established yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah 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 um, Carol, so when we're talking about, you know, we've talked about um, promotion, we've talked about um, advertising and, you know, the power of, you know, get, getting your information out there. But what about the more under the hood techie types of promotion? Do you engage mm, in that at like, all? Yeah, you mean yeah. like search engine optimization? Yeah. Yes. yeah, I know. Yeah, SEO, it's a huge topic that we probably can't really wade into here but um but a blogger should definitely do their homework on learning to use keywords and other kinds of metadata um, categories um and whatever their platform allows to make their sites findable by web yeah. crawlers yeah. yeah you know it sounds kind of creepy but um <laughs> and you know it's not direct promotion but it increases your discoverability once you set it up it's a kind of passive promotion mm -hmm. so you know you you choose your keywords and categories and it allows people to find your posts without you um, doing anything if they're google searching um, and a lot of a lot of uh, you know one of the reasons it's not there's not a lot of point in talking in depth about it is that I don't know anything in depth about it but <laughs> but um but you I know it <laughs> you know what Carol I don't know that we need to I think no. that's the beauty of blogging I think as uh, just having these basics that you're talking about is enough yes. to get started with for the for the for the new blogger well, and mm. it'll be specific to your blogging platform. Yeah. So if you're yeah. on WordPress or Wix or whatever, you can find those checklists um, at at your in your help section. It'll give you the checklist for bringing everything up to scratch. Mm. Things like um, compressing your images so they don't slow down the loading of your site when someone lands on it, or adding alternative text to the images so that um readers unsighted readers will know what they are yeah and things yeah. like putting having clear headers throughout your post and thinking about the layout as well um yeah. so that people can people can scan quickly and see is that paragraph worth reading is that answering a, a question that i'm interested or mm -hmm. putting social media buttons uh, share sharing buttons so that so that you're making easy to readers to to share yes. your stuff and i think yes. one of the things that um um I don't know if 
I don't know if irritates me is the right word. One of the things that is, it always jumps out at me is um, when people quite clearly spent a lot of time thinking about a really clever heading a uh, title for their blog that is meaningless you know it's some clever you can imagine that showing words. up in in it, for some bizarre reason in in organic search on, on yeah. google and somebody thinking that's not in any way relevant to me exactly right, I mean, right. thinking about you mentioned it earlier carol about google search what are people actually going to type into that search bar when they're looking for the information that's in your blog? And yeah. does that show up in your title and in your metadata? Yeah. And that's that doesn't need to take a lot of time, but it's just, you know, thinking a little bit about these small tweaks can make a difference yeah. in your discoverability. You don't need to go down a huge SEO rabbit hole to... No. Um, to sort of just make small margins of improvements really by thinking about how people are going to look for that information yeah. what they're going to ask google yes you know? yes yeah. i always think a clear title trumps a clear solution-based type title that's boring trumps a funny clever title that isn't yeah. indicative of what the blog post about is about any day yeah and the million dollar one is one that does both yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. I'm not I'm never clever enough to do that though. <laughs> well you know we could talk forever about about this kind of thing but I think it's better like you said if people research it online and and um I can uh we can throw out some resources for that as well sure. there's a, a fantastic post at blogging wizard on on this and Jane Friedman she's a really solid resources she has a guide to starting a blog um, so we can put links to those in the show notes. Great um, idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is where we're going to take a break. We had so much more to talk about on the subject of blogging, so much so that it went on for way longer than we anticipated. Now, there was no way we were going to edit out any of the content. So what we've done instead is split our conversation into not two, but three episodes. So listen out for our next episode where the conversation continues about all things blog related.